So how did I find myself in this situation, you ask? Became a professional killer. And yeah, it's a dirty job. But I'm happy to get my hands bleeding filthy for the right price. Needed to keep my head down after what happened back in London. So I grabbed my fake passport and hopped on the first flight to anywhere, which turned out to be Malta. There's more people need killing in this corner of the world than I can keep up with. God has given me a gift. Only one. I am the most complete fighter in the world. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special Action for Everyone slash Adkins Undisputed episode. I am, as always, your host, Mike Scott. I am flying solo today. I uh, shoved Liam and Vice in a corner because I wanted to have uh, no interruptions talking to our guest. Uh, he is back. He's been on many times before. Scott Adkins, welcome back, buddy. Hi, Mike. How's it going, my friend? It's going well. It's going well, uh, especially because I know what movie we're about to talk about, and I'm real excited. So, um, yeah. yeah, you have been doing a a shit ton of press this week, uh, and uh, you just mentioned that you just got done recording an Art of Action episode with uh, basically everybody from Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. Uh, how did that go? A little bit chaotic because I've never done it before with about 10 people um so yeah it was an experience and i'm tired out mate i'm tired out for our podcast now but no i wanted to do it because obviously people do enjoy the art of action and i'm gonna have to promote my uh pet project accident man 2 otherwise known as accident man hitman's holiday of course yeah, and uh, and you know I have seen it. Uh, it. We're recording at the time we're recording. It's still embargoed, but this is going to post after the embargo, so I can feel free to say. Um, I think the best way I can describe this movie is it's the ultimate Scott Adkins experience. Uh, this this is this is a movie that to me feels as somebody who's talked to you a lot. This is the movie that to me, you know, and. I told you this. I said, I still think Day of Reckoning and Undisputed 3 are probably, for me, your best movies. But this is the one that feels the most you. Every, like, your DNA is throughout every single aspect of this movie. This is, it's almost like Scott Adkins fan service, to be honest with you. And I fucking loved it for that. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I fucking loved it for that. It's a very silly movie. I, I definitely don't take myself very seriously. Um, it's fun, man. It's fun. You know, I grew up on films like specifically in my head when I thought about this one and the other one, but more so this one. I was thinking of how I felt when I was a teenager watching stuff like No Treat, No Surrender, you know, one, two, three, King of the Kickboxers. Um, Hong Kong movies like Above the Law or Eastern Condors, which didn't necessarily take themselves too seriously. But when the action happened, the action was great. Um it's that sort of thing, you know, it's, uh, it's all the Hong Kong action film influence wrapped up in a ball that in also involves Monty Python and Faulty Towers and Bottom and, uh, you know, all the action films that I used to love as a kid. 
for me, the Accident Man franchise, and I hope and call it a franchise now because I want to do a number three, it's just about pure entertainment. I just want people to switch their brains off, especially you know these days when everything's so crazy out there. Just switch your brain off for a bit, 90 minutes of mindless entertainment, and just, just have fun, man. And that's what I want to do. There's many strings to my bow. There's different sorts of films I want to make. And I'm capable of making other sorts of genres, for sure, and I will that have come from this crazy head. But for now, Accident Man is is what I'm giving in, giving to the world. Yeah, no, and it 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 feels like I said it just feels because you're you're um I, I know I'm American, so I'm probably not using this word right, but let's be honest, you're pretty cheeky, and this is a pretty cheeky movie. Uh, and I, yeah. I really I really thought that with a lot of shit true. jokes. A lot of shit jokes, which you are not yeah. above by any stretch. And, and of the I'll tell you now, I'll tell you now, one of the first notes I got from Sony was, can we have have less uh, shit gags, please? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I didn't remove any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely. And just for folks listening, we, we will be, uh, we will be uh, not hardcore spoiling this, but we're definitely going to avoid, or we're definitely going to have to talk about some, some stuff in it. So if you haven't watched it yet, when you're listening, you know, it's available uh, on VOD uh on October 13th, make sure to get it, go see it in the theater. If it happens to be available to go see it, uh, and, uh, and check it out because anybody that's listening to this, I can just say, and we'll talk about some behind the scenes stuff and details and stuff, but I just want to say anybody listening to this is going to fucking love this movie. This, my audience is your target audience for this movie. 100%. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Go and watch it. <laughs> exactly all right so um let's go let's go back just a little bit to uh we talked and i haven't actually released this conversation that we had but we talked about the first accident man and how you were a big fan of the pat mills tony skinner comic you got the rights and that was a quite a while ago uh so for people listening because i know people listening are also big fans of indie action and so any behind the scenes stuff what you know, I'm not saying this like pejoratively. What took so damn long? Um, there was a regime change at Sony, um, which sometimes happens at these studios. So then you've got to convince the new guy to take on somebody else's project, a project that he's inherited. So, you know, that's a bit of a holdup and it takes some doing. And then, of course, we had the pandemic, which didn't help. And also we had a few false starts. Um, we were trying to do it in Thailand at first, couldn't get it there. I mean, I, I wanted it to be in any country other than England. It didn't matter where it was, as long as it was outside of the UK or England. But um, Thailand was the first place we looked at. So, yeah, it's just sometimes it's funny because the first film, um, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, I had this comic book when I was 14. I fell in love with it, Accident Man. I thought it would make a great film. Nobody ever made it. When I started making inroads into the business, I figured, well, I'm going to make this then if nobody else has. And so I wrote it with my friend Stu Small that I've known since I was uh, 16. And we're, you know, he's one of my best mates. And uh, we've wrote many other things together, of course. And as soon as we got it to Sony, it was pretty much a green light and we were making it. It was really easy, much easier than expected. So you would have thought that this time it would have been even easier, but no, it wasn't. But sometimes that's just the way it goes. Well, and that is, that is, you know, something that we talk about a lot, you know, obviously with Liam on the show, there's, 
there's so many false starts when you're dealing with the budgets that you guys are dealing with. There are so many starts and stops and projects can fall through and then get resurrected a year later when you're not even expecting them yeah. to and, and stuff like that. Um, you basically, you have to find a fixer. Basically, you've got the script and you've got a company that's ready to do it for a specific budget. And then you've got to find someone in whatever country you want to do it in. And you might want to go to a country that's got a nice tax break like Malta, where we ended up, it's 33% tax break. So that's a third of the budget coming back. You, you can add to the budget a third. So that was amazing that we went to go there. Uh, but whenever you're doing a film, you, you need to find somebody like a line producer, production manager, that's going to be in a country that has the right tax breaks, uh, that's going to be able to hook you up and, and get it sorted. And then you got to trust that they're going to not rip you off and that they know what they're doing. And there's a lot of cowboys out there. And sometimes you pick the wrong guy and then you're in a real mess. Um, but uh, yeah, it works out for this. It works out very well. Yeah. I mean, the, the movie exists. So things, things came together. Yeah, we made uh, it. You mentioned you wanted to do it anywhere, but the UK, what was the impetus for that? Because he's banished at the end of the first film, Ray says, get the F out of London and really England's such a small place. That means, you know, he's got to get out of the country. It just didn't feel right to go to Liverpool or Birmingham, <laughs> not in England. It felt like, oh, he's, he, cause he's wants to ply his trade. He doesn't want Ray to know that he's doing that. Cause even though it wasn't specifically said, he knows that he wouldn't be happy. So we just wanted anywhere that was not England. And if I would have settled for Ireland, but maybe not Scotland. <laughs> I needed some ocean. Yeah. Well, and I got to be honest with you. I think you actually ended up, you know, in a, an absolutely terrific, I mean, Malta, and, and this is a fucking travel log for Malta, man. This is like the Malta, yeah. like tourism bureau should be like giving you guys money because you ended up in Malta. I love that the setup, the idea that like, oh, you're in this central location now where you can quickly go and do all these jobs, but also the way yeah, that was lucky. Yeah. The way the movie is shot, it it looks like a fucking love letter to Malta. It's just absolutely. And it's such a nice contrast because, you know, the first one with Jesse, you know, Jesse's a very gritty filmmaker, even though the movie's very funny, it's got a very sort of, I, I hope it's okay to say this, a very sort of Guy Ritchie vibe. Uh, yeah, and to be honest, I, I, I forced that upon Jesse in, in a way because I thought, well, let's give this an identity. Let's not just make it another martial arts uh, B-movie like, you know, po-faced action flick. Let's give it some sort of identity. So I, I suggested latching onto a bit of Guy Ritchie and, and going for that vibe. And I also wanted it to be gritty. I didn't want it to be like James Bond in the high life of, of London. I wanted to to be dirty, down, dank, the gritty East End of London, which for me, that initial comic book very much was. The initial comic book was, the, the idea was from Pat Mills and Tony Skinner, but the artist actually drew it in a way that was not what he actually actually had in his head. Pat Mills was a bit disappointed with the initial uh, version of the comic book, the way it was drawn, but I loved it. And it was very down and dirty. And then the subs, the 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 additions that came after that, were very much had Mike Fallon like a James Bond, but I kind of like the biker down and dirty East End version. So that's what we wanted. 
but yeah, it's great to now be in Malta and, and have a completely different look. Yeah, totally, totally different contrast. And it, it changes, I think, the kind of the entire vibe of the movie because, um, you know, it, it just it just feels, I don't know, sunnier. And, and that makes it funnier to me, uh, or I should say more funny. Funnier is not a word, but uh, it, 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 yeah. the, the environment makes the movie feel so much more. Uh, it's so much easier to embrace fallon being this kind of goofy guy who you know hires somebody to beat him up every day and stuff like that because of this bright sunny environment i think it it really i don't know that you could have ended up in a better place than malta i think that was the perfect place for you guys to end up yeah well originally it was written for thailand but yeah that that's good enough it was uh far enough south of uh london um so yeah yeah, the things we spoke about initially, I mean, we'll get into hiring the Kirby's, but, and Richard Bell, the DP, did a fantastic job of making Malta look great and the, the yellow sandstone with the, the blue ocean and, and all that stuff. But yeah, color, we wanted color, we wanted it to be vibrant. We want the, the characters to be colorful and crazy and over the top. And color, color, color was a big a big thing because the first one was, did have uh, the opposite, you know, it was kind of, kind of saturated bleached yeah. out a bit yeah no and that that was when i was watching it that was the thing that i noticed was i was just color is exactly the perfect way to describe it this is just so vibrant um yeah. and uh and and again yeah we'll we'll get to it a little bit but also the way you pushed the other assassins so far forward in terms of larger than life vibrant colorful personalities and stuff like that um but yeah let's talk about how did you, you know, Jesse directed the first one. Um, and, and we talked when you were on Action for Everyone with with me and Liam and Vice about how, you know, as great as Jesse is and as much as you guys got along with it, you know, we've all seen Jesse's movies. He's a hell hath no fury guy. Accident Man's very much in terms of that comedy yeah. outside of his wheelhouse. How did you settle on going with George and Harry Kirby for for directing this one? Yeah, well, the first thing to say is that Jesse did me a big favor with the first one. It was our second film together. We'd done Savage Dog, and I was trying to put Accident Man together, and and I was struggling to uh, to get a director. And I'd had such a, I mean, it was a tough experience with Jesse on Savage Dog, but m me and him got on great, and and it was a fruitful experience. Um, you know, hope the film could have ended up better in some ways. It was just too low budget. It was a tough shoot, but I got on great with him and had a good time. And I said to him, look, I want to make this and it, I want it to be a specific way. And I want you to help me make it in a certain way. So he didn't necessarily direct it the way he would have directed other things. He was trying to help me put my vision on there. Um, so that's the first thing to say. And he was he was busy, he had other things going on, which is, you know, absolutely fine. Um, but I needed to find a new director. And so... The Kirby's, I know George Kirby because he was the stunt double for Benedict Cumberbatch on Doctor Strange. And him and his brother have, you know, they've got a YouTube channel. They've done quite a few YouTube shorts that, that were quite impressive. But they did this short for this uh, show, that this uh, film that they've been trying to get the money for. And um, I, I think they've succeeded and we'll see the film soon. But this 10-minute opening sequence of that movie, they've shot it. 
and they sent it to me and it was so well made and it was so such great visual storytelling and they're so good with the action and they know visual effects and they had the most importantly they had the right tone the tone was exactly how i felt accident man should be whereas jesse was trying to force that tone for me these guys were symbiotic with with it they already i knew that it was going to be a good relationship that them me not having to say anything they would do the right tone if you know what i'm saying so it was perfect and it was their first film but they're very experienced anyway and um you know a bit of a feeling out process going into it you know is this going to work out every day they exceeded expectations and, and rose to the challenge and it carried on throughout post-production super proud of what they did and i have to give myself a big pat on the back for giving them the job because they're going to do really well for themselves and i'm glad that i uh was able to to take them to sony and say look i want these guys to direct acts of demand too and they were like yeah okay it's on you if it doesn't work adkins but okay well and and yeah they're definitely gonna go on to bigger and better things and um friend of the show uh matt esry interviewed them and uh apparently he said they're just absolutely delightful guys too they're just like yeah very likable guys. So I'm expecting big things for them coming in the future. Yeah, I hope so. And they deserve it. And yeah, they've, they've got a great style and, you know, with the action as well, like just everything, everything was perfect specifically for this tone of movie as well. Yeah. And this couldn't, couldn't have got a better director, you know, even if I got Edgar Wright, it wouldn't have been as good as these guys. <laughs> And that's, I love that you keep bringing up the tone because there are so many ways, as you know, I, I have had some issues with some of your more comedic movies in the past Grimsby and, uh, and, uh, oh, that's nothing to do with me. No, I know. I know. But there are, there are, yeah, you're not the one jerking off an elephant in that movie. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but why do I laugh then? <laughs> but there, there are so many ways the tone of this movie, I think could have kind of gone wrong and every chance it has to go wrong it goes right like everything just goes right every time in this movie um and and that's you know that's a testament to you having a lot more control which we know you don't always have on the movies that you're making uh and i think the kirby's you know obviously you and Stu making a great script but then the kirby's and you having control and and everybody just being on the same page in terms of what yeah, don't get me wrong though don't get me wrong mike we had to compromise on quite a few things but that always happens at this budget level yeah that's you know, sometimes different. you can't yeah you can't get the location you wanted you have to change your scene last minute i mean the kirby's went out there and they went location scouting and then we came back and we prevised all the action not all the action but a lot of the action specific to some locations and then when we got back to malta we lost those locations <laughs> And so, you know, there's a lot of time wasted, but that that's the way it goes on these, on these ones. I wish you have a lot of control doing a film at this budget level, because if it doesn't turn out, okay, no big deal. You know, they didn't lose that much money. So you have the control, but then at the same time, you don't have enough control that there, are, there isn't going to be craziness around you all going wrong because again, it's low budget and shit happens. You're trying to save a buck here and there and, Things drop out and things change, and you you got to be ready to to change things at a moment's notice, including the script and the characters. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always said it's, I think it's a fucking miracle anytime an indie action movie gets made, whether it's good or bad, it's a miracle anytime it gets made. Um, I can tell you about all sorts of shenanigans that went on on this one, but uh, yeah, we'll see how much time we have. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you did mention, uh, I do want to, we mentioned Richard Bell uh, because how great the movie looks. How did you, you know, how did you end up bringing him on to the project? Because he just shoots the hell out of this thing. Yeah, to be honest, I once I'd settled on the Kirby Brothers, something like that, the cinematography, you wanted to say, look, you guys, this is how I want it to be. But you guys take the lead on that, get who you want. Because uh, that's such a close relationship, the director and the cinematographer. And to be honest, the cinematography is something I'm always trying to wrap my head around a bit more. It's kind of evades me because it's, I don't understand. They put these lights up and they make it look amazing. When I try and do it, it looks shit. <laughs> but, you know, um, so I, I left it up to the Kirby's and, and they, obviously they recommended Rich and I looked at his reel and I see that he's, you know, it looks great and he, he can do the very colorful, vibrant thing that we were talking about. And, you know, he did some stuff that was way over my head that just looks amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I left it up to those guys and they, and they delivered. The one thing I requested, and always the Kirby brothers are requesting the same thing because they're smart and they're on the same page. It's like, look, when it comes to the action, we need lighting that's going to allow us to just crank out the action. I don't want to be stopping for you to set up lights all the time. So... You know, you need a guy that's not going to be so precious about every shot because you can't be on this budget. You've just got to live with, uh, you know, it might look good here, but then you go there and it doesn't look as good. It's a bit dark, a bit flat, whatever. You've got to live with it because we don't have time. We've just got to get, I, I want there to be a lot of action. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's one of the things that's actually kind of a perfect transition here because that's one of the things that I really was I mean, the first accident man has a lot of action. This one has a ridiculous amount of action. I mean, this is I don't know if it has more action than the first one, though. I if you know, to me yeah. it feels like it, but also the other thing I think it probably has the same amount. But I think this film's a little bit shorter than Accident Man one, so maybe that helps. It is, and there's not nearly as much kind of setup. Uh, in terms of having to establish all that backstory. So you've got, yeah. you've got, I think you've got more action from the front, but the other thing that I think really uh, stands out on this one is uh, you are fighting like you're back in special forces in this one, man. This is, you mentioned you wanted to do Hong Kong style action. This is like proper Hong Kong style action. Uh, and I know, I know, you know, you always work with Tim who's amazing, but he was unavailable for this one. So you brought in Andy long. How did you settle on Andy? Yeah, it was, there was a lot of choreographers on this one. First of all, Tim Mann actually previs some sequences ages ago when we had the full start. So I had about three fights that he'd previs. And then we changed a lot of it and kept some minor stuff of his choreography. Um, so he's got a credit and then we had a guy called Hung Dante Dom I hope I've got his name wrong right Hung Dante Dom sorry Hung if I've got your name wrong I apologize but it's a tough one but anyway he came in and he started choreographing some stuff he's doing a great job uh, by the way we, we, uh, we were choreographing in London uh, before we went out to Malta 
Um, anyway, he got another high and paid job and, and off he went. And then I continued to choreograph along with George. Um, so I did more choreography on this than I ever have done. And the idea was, because we were trying to keep costs down to, to choreograph previous other fights in London, didn't want to bring Gandhi over from Greece, where he was at the time, and put him in a hotel, you know, spending money. I thought, well, let's delay. Let's have Andy choreograph the fight that I have with him. And he can also choreograph the fight that Sarah has with, with Peter. And he can even be second unit for that because we're going to shoot two units at the same time while I'm fighting poker. Sarah's going to be fighting uh, Peter so that we could, you know, get more action within the space of two days. Um, so a lot of people, long story short, a lot of people choreographed it. Andy specifically, the end fight with me and him and uh, Sarah and Peter. And you can tell, you can tell that the action shifts a little bit. It becomes more Hong Kong style, which is Andy's bag. But then you've got George and Harry there complementing that with their camera, camera tricks and, the stuff that they do, and also, um, yeah, di different style, but st still in keeping with what we were already doing. Yeah, this this is legitimately as, and this is not this is not a criticism on your physical abilities. Please, I hope you know that this is legitimately like I feel like the fastest I have seen you fight in a movie in a very very long time. The fights in this are just. The only word I can come up with is blistering. They are absolutely jaw-droppingly, blisteringly fast, highly choreographed fight scenes. Uh, I mean, this is a stunt demo reel. Yeah, I'm very happy with the action sequences. Um, you know, look, I'll be honest, there, there is undercranking going on. It's got that Hong Kong style. We didn't do that for the first accident, man. But, that, you know... I wasn't sure I wanted to do it anymore, but we did it on this one. We, we got back in the groove. Andy's influence. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that that's a style that's, that suits this movie because over the top um, and, it, and, it, and it can work for this film. The, the tone was okay for that. So there you go. I'm too honest. No, no, <laughs> you're good. No, you're good. But that's, but I, I, you know me, I'm a Hong Kong kid. Like, yeah, I get the undercranking, yeah. but, but that's but, what Jackie does. That's what yeah. Jet does. They that's all what do Yang that. Ping does. That's what, they all do that. They don't all do that. But even Bruce Lee, I'm telling you, people say that he didn't do the undercranking. He did. Definitely. Way of the dragon. There's parts of that that, that are undercranked for sure. But what it is is so aesthetically pleasing and so different. Than it's filmmaking. Yeah. It's filmmaking. It's not an Olympic sport. It's filmmaking. It's about getting the tone of the action right and putting down some good cinema for people to be entertained. Um, and to be honest, you can make things cleaner and you don't have to, to rush. If, if it's 22 frames a second, you can just... You're still going fast, but you can just take the edge off and make things a bit cleaner, create some nice shapes. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's actually um, one of the things I, I your your uh, art of action that you did with Eric Jacobus and, and then also Eric's breakdown on Bruce Lee. You know, he talks a lot about the importance of shapes, the importance of of the the, the visual appeal in a fight scene of how 
uh, you know, it, it, you watch MMA, you watch UFC. We all, you know, most of us all do. And those are not particularly what we would call pretty fights because real fights aren't pretty. But on film, you you want to see these geometric shapes. That's one of the things that Bruce Lee did better than damn near anybody was he knew how to make those shapes. And that's kind of what you guys do here. I, I love that you brought that up because I, the shape thing is something that I think doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to fight scenes. Yeah, I am just uh, that Eric Eric Jacobus popped into my head as I said that, so I am taking a leaf out of his book. But yeah, no, that's um, that sort of Hong Kong start. You just yeah, you're filling the frame with with movement and action and hard hitting hits, uh, but kind of beautiful to look at as well. That's the idea. You brought Andy in, and and you had worked with Andy on Max Cloud before, right? So you were familiar, yeah, and Undisputed Three. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally yeah. forgot that he was on Undisputed 3. So Yeah. And by the way, Andy Long is incredible. And uh, I want to see him succeed. I I want him to take over from Jackie Chan. You know, he's he's great. He's he's got it all. And uh, you know, when you see the movie, you can you can you can see he's got it. And he directed that end sequence himself. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, no, he's I've been a big supporter of his for he actually did uh, years ago, probably five years ago. He did a short with Marshall Club, who has now obviously become very, very famous as well. And uh, it's one yeah. of the most amazing short films I've I've ever seen. Um, one of the uh, well, I think this is, a, I guess, a kind of a good time to start talking about the cast, because there are definitely some cast members that we need to talk about here that are you are giving some platforms to in this that I think really deserve it. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Sarah, I got to be honest with you, bud. She steals this movie from you. Sarah's amazing yeah. in this movie. Sarah Chang. I, I'm going to take full credit for that. <laughs> I'm going to take credit for her stealing the movie from me. <laughs> it was my fault. How did you come up? I, I, I love that you and Stu came up with this idea of Mike is so... You know, he feels so guilty about the the first movie that he basically hires this woman to attack him at any point, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And she keeps trying to kick you in the balls in spite of the fact that you agree no balls like this is an amazing character <laughs> and an amazing and an amazing performance from Sarah doing it. How did Sarah come come into this? Well. Yeah, one of the first things that I came up with for Accident Man 2 was was that. And of course, it's just ripping off the Peter Sellers Pink Panther movies, um, which I guess a lot of uh, young kids now probably haven't even seen. And they think Steve Martin is the, is Inspector Clouseau. Um, so I definitely recommend checking out those films because they are brilliant. And those fights that he has with Cato and that are so unreal. funny. They're so Oh, funny. my God. I mean, I was watching it again, researching for this and just howling with laughter. So good, man. Never gets never gets old. Always funny. Anyway, so I thought, well, let's let's do that because I've got this post-murder tension thing from the first film where after I've killed someone, I need to hurt people to get rid of my post-murder tension. So I'm going to the bar and I'm just smashing up people. But I thought, well, why not turn the tables on that and, and have, a, have a Kato-type character? And of course, you've got to update Kato for the modern world. And so, yeah, all right, let's, ma let's make her a female. Um, I wanted it to be the maid, and then I was talked around on that one. 
So okay. Yeah, you and I, My you bad. and I had a, you and I had oh, a yeah, conversation did, yeah. about that, yeah. and I was like, Ugh. You, you, you helped me not put my foot in it. Okay, fair enough. But um, still think it would have been good if if she'd kicked my ass and then uh, started changing my bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was taught around on that one. And uh, see, I put my foot in it now in the podcast. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm sure people will forgive me. Um, where was I? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we've we got this great character, strong, strong female character. And now the problem is, well, who are we going to get to play her? Now, originally, honestly, we we're going to we wanted to do this in Thailand. And uh, I had an actress in mind um, who then became pregnant. And then it wasn't in Thailand anyway. And so we've got. To, I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a Chinese character. I wanted it to be specifically Hong Kong, because I wanted her to be a descendant of Wong Fei Hung, and I wanted to, to, her to be from that part of the world specifically. Because for me, when you have the Chinese accent and the the the, the Chinese kung fu, it, it it has a bit of more of a mystical feel to it in in my head. Whereas if she was Chinese American, a bit less of a mystical feel, if you if you know what I mean. So I wanted to to, to oh, have the it. accent. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? You know, you think it's, I'm just thinking of all the films that I grew up on. You know, it's like you know, Kill Bill getting trained by um, Pang Mei, was it whatever his name was? Yeah, Gordon. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. That, yeah, yeah, it's that sort of vibe. And so, Mike Leader helped me find Sarah. And it was, I was looking at a lot of people and, and it wasn't working because you got to find a girl, Chinese, with, with a Hong Kong accent or can do a Hong Kong accent and can fight really well and can act. And so, you know, there's, there's not a lot of those people around. There are some, of course, but I needed a, a newcomer because didn't necessarily have a lot of money to spend. And so we found Sarah and she did a, a tape. And honestly, at that point, the character was a little bit different. Um, she was a little bit uh, nicey-nicey uh, and then beating the hell out of me. And I wasn't too sure about it. And then when we got Sarah to Malta, I said, look, I think we should make her a bit more of a mean-spirited, grumpy bitch. I think we should go that. I just think it's going to be cooler if we do it that way. So I had to read both versions of the character, and she, she got it straight away. I was like, Kung Fu Hustle, right? That woman, like, do it like that. And um, she did it and, it, and it was perfect. And I knew then that, okay, that, that's what it needs to be. But it's always an organic, it's always a process of discovery. Who's going? It wasn't until I saw Sarah was going to play the part that I, that I could figure out what the character was properly, properly going to be. Same thing happened with Poco and, and uh, the Silas character. Until we'd got the guy or girl to play the part, then we would change the character to suit them. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that is the whole collaborative aspect of filmmaking, right? I mean, it is a, a organic collaborative process because yeah, when you and I first talked about this character, you know, I, over a year ago, I want to say the, the, yeah. the, the character that I saw on screen was not what we had talked about, but I got to tell you the character that we got on screen was like the kernels of brilliance were in what we talked about, but Sarah like kicked it over the top because I love you know, especially because the way both Accident Man and Accident Man 2 work is Mike Fallon's kind of this legend. You know, he's the accident man. He's the greatest hitman in the world. And 
Sarah's character, uh, Su Ling, she does not give a fuck. She is not at all even remotely interested in Mike Fallon. She just wants the 50 bucks or whatever it is you pay her. And, and, you know, and I think that's such a great contrast, uh, that, that yeah. makes, and the way she keeps <clears throat> again, spoiler keeps breaking your damn TV. Uh, like, like there's so many little bits in that performance. I had been actually, I saw Sarah's movie, uh, blood hunters rise of the hybrids a few years ago and thought she really stood out in that. And so when I found out that she was who you cast, I was like, well, that's, that's pretty perfect. Uh, and it turned out to be even more perfect than I expected. Um, again, I am not being folks listening. I am not being objective on this movie at all because I fucking love this movie. So uh, I'm just going to blow smoke up Scott's ass this whole episode. But um, I, I right. thought it turned out to be, yeah, I thought it turned out to be perfect. Uh, it was perfect casting and it's a perfect character for this movie. That yeah. You create. And it's crazy that that first scene where they're together, they're just screaming at each other's faces and she's walking out of the door and giving him the, the eyes and everything. And it's completely absurd. And that, that's what I like. I like the absurdity of the whole thing. Um, I love the fact that they just get stuck in on each other and smash the place to pieces. It's just fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah. No, that's that's the best way to describe it. Um, and, and yeah. And, you know, that first fight scene was a lot longer, by the way. It was supposed to be a lot longer. And um, we we uh, had a change of location. We had to change it all around and, and then we we lost a bit of time um but the previous of that is 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 much longer and much even more silly <laughs> yeah it's and that's i think silly is a great word to describe this movie this is a very very silly movie with absolutely over the top insanely great action which is not i mean that is a really difficult balance to 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 walk i mean perfect example the other actor i want to talk about that i've been a champion of for years brian bowen as uh, as poco the killer clown i mean that is an absurd character that is an, an absolutely ridiculous concept that should break the movie and instead it's what to me kicks the movie into like elite tier you know scott adkins greatness because Bo is so good and so fucking creepy uh, you know, and if people listening don't know Bo, look him up, Google him, watch his short film Express Delivery. Uh, he he's a very good looking dude. Uh, and you guys have him looking like friggin it uh, have, have him looking like Pennywise. And he is like 100 percent committed to that character. Oh, my God, it was a roller coaster ride getting getting Bo. Originally, we wanted Bo and there was some stuff going on that meant we couldn't get him over to Malta. So we cut, we cast somebody else and I, I won't say who that was, but um, when they arrived, they, uh, they had COVID. So we had to isolate them. And I'm there as a producer dealing with all this. It was extremely stressful. We had to isolate them, make sure that, you know, everyone in our film was, was okay and that we didn't have a problem. But of course that actor couldn't, couldn't play the part because now they had to be stuck in the hotel room for, two weeks um so then we, we managed to get Bo to get to get Bo over and then he was held up at the uh uh he was at the airport and he couldn't get it out of the airport and they wouldn't let him in the country and all this craziness was going on and then we managed to get him there the night before he was going to shoot and for the whole time 
uh, the the costume designer Jasmine Knox. Um, you know, we were going back and forward with how's this character going to look? What's what's costume going to be like? And I'm only seeing illustrations on on the paper, and I really couldn't make a decision and couldn't visualize it. I was I wasn't sure. And you know, obviously working closely with the directors, and um, they've gone down that route. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm with you, but I, I just need to see it. I'm not sure. And it wasn't until he'd arrived the night before and I was busy working and I came out and he just walked out of the trailer and he had the full um, Poco kit on <laughs> and it was Bo. And then he, he had the black teeth and everything. And he just looked at me and he, and he put on the Poco voice. It was like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's it. That's perfect. It's going to work. And it wasn't until that moment that, that I, that I knew it was going to work. I was, I was so unsure. And it, and it's such a crazy character to come up with that, you know, it was a bit of a risk, wasn't it? I just came up with this idea of having a killer clown at, at some point. And, it, and I know we just had the Joker come out and we've had it and all that. And it's kind of been overdone. But I just thought, you know, in a world of crazy assassins, I want that guy that's, you know, you had those cl clown videos for a bit where there'd just be a clown in the street, like just yep. swaying yep. like that with a, with a mallet. Yep. It was it was that sort of thing that I wanted. Well, and, I'd, well just to finish, I'd, we'd yeah. written this maniacal killer clown character. It's completely off the wall, crazy, like nuts. But what we hadn't anticipated was the extra layers that Bo put on top when he arrived. And he gave the character some real pathos. He created this whole layers of, because he can't feel, he's, he's not a skilled martial artist, this Poco character. He just can't feel pain. So you can't stop him. He just keeps on coming. But he came up with this thing where because he can't feel pain, he doesn't feel like he has the, the proper experience of life. Um, only if he can feel some pain can he can he truly experience life. So he's searching for somebody to, to give him the pain. And maybe Mike Fallon, the accident man, the best assassin in the world, can be the one to give him some pain. And he, he just he came up with all these different ideas that were not on the page. And it took the character to... Another level, he's still got the crazy maniacal stuff and all that going on and the fighting and everything and the comedy. But then he, he, he added that other element, like the sadness of the clown, which was great. Perfect. Yeah, no, it, 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 it I, I thought it was actually like an absolutely jaw dropping performance uh, just for all those reasons, because I was like, this is, this is so fucking clever. Like this is because like you said, it's been done to death. And, but this is so clever. Like I, I really did love the whole hook of he can't feel any pain. He can't, you know? And so, and, and the way that fight goes where you, you know, it's not really that much of a 50, 50 fight. You're pretty much on top the whole way. You just can't stop him. And, and you know, cause he keeps getting back up every time you do something. And, uh, I thought that was a really unique and clever way to, to do it. Um, you know, and it, I'll it, tell it, you something. Oh, sorry, ahead. Mike, go on. No, go ahead. Well, just to say something that the directors brought to this action sequence, which wasn't in the original script and, and it was inspired decision was to put the accidents that him and Fred are working on around that fight sequence. That's an element that, that they added to it. It was always going to be in the shambles, but, you know the toaster and the, uh, the 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 saw and everything. Weaving that into the fight sequence um, was their choice, and that that was brilliant because it's accident man at the end of the day, and that's one of the things we 
we didn't do with the first one was show enough accidents. We definitely show more accidents in this one, but then we're weaving it into that fight as well, which was great. Well, and I love it's so it's so perfectly set up and and then paid off because yeah, there's the whole montage of you and Fred testing out you know very James Bond Q you know Fallon and in, in, in his his Q Fred testing all these accidents and testing all these devices and then to bring it all back in in that last fight uh or that fight with with Poco because obviously the last fights with Andy but um I thought was was really again clever clever is one of the best ways I can describe this movie I think it's really clever and it it oh, should good. I thought it was silly but oh, okay. but yeah, silly Silly and clever are are very often hand in hand here. And so uh, I think the difference between bad silly and good silly is how clever is the silly. Uh, and and yeah, Monty is Python clear. is clever silly. So, uh, yeah, exactly. I'll exactly. Yeah, exactly. So talk about the other cast. So you got obviously Ray Stevenson and uh, and Perry back as as Fred, uh, which I thought were very nice touches to to tie that in. You know, so many DTV sequels feel so separate from their previous ones, and that really ties this in nicely, I thought. Yeah, Perry Benson's fantastic and so funny and lovable in that part. You know, he's just a big a big baby, isn't he? <laughs> and uh, he's just great fun. Um, the, it's a bromance, this movie. Specifically, the first half is, is, is a bromance, and you needed to really... Um, solidify that relationship between them so that you can get behind Fallon and what he's got to do when, when the plot really kicks in. Um, and of course with Ray Stevenson, just a, a great guy, such a professional, such an amazing actor to get him to come in and he's only got a few scenes, but he brings that gravitas as he did in the first one. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do a bit of exposition, get Ray Stevenson to do it. Yeah, well, and, and and again, I won't say what it is, but the the dialogue at the end between you and and Ray Stevenson, you get a a pretty good monologue, and then he gets a perfect reaction to it. Uh, was surprisingly, uh, I thought, uh, surprisingly emotional uh, for a silly movie as well. So you know, but that that's the kind of thing that you can only do when you have good actors elevating sort of silly movie material. Um, uh, you know, and and so it was nice to see Ray Stevenson back because I. I I wasn't expecting as much connection to the first accident, man. And that was, that was a really pleasant, pleasant surprise for me watching it. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, we're trying, trying to give you the, the, the full shebang the comedy, the action, uh, and the, the drama <laughs> and the tears, the tears, the tears, the manly, the manly bro hug tears is, yeah. uh, is what they really are. How did you? Uh, I think we're trying to make Mike Fallon a bit more likable in this one as well. So to make him relatable with how he feels with Fred, who you know he always liked him in the first one, but he was consumed with vengeance in the, the first one. Obviously, that's the stereotypical martial arts hero journey, which we we regurgitate for Axe the Man One. That was the original comic book that I loved since I was fourteen. That's the story we wanted to make, but for this one, we definitely wanted to ground him a bit more and make him relatable, even though he's a killer. The theme of the movie is friendship. And, you know, even if you're a stone cold killer, you still need friends. You still need family because if you haven't got that, well, then you're just a miserable old bastard. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to have any, you know, moral compass or whatever, but you still need mates. Yeah. Like, no, I, I thought it was, <laughs> yeah. I, I loved it. And, it. and it does work to humanize that character. You know, I, as you know, I've, I've, 
adore Boyka, but this one really for me does do a lot to make Mike kind of in that upper echelon of, of Scott Adkins characters. I think it, it, it's so much because it's so much you uh, on top of that. You know, I, it was even funny when I was watching it with my wife, she's like, kind of just feels like we're watching a podcast because it just looks like Scott and sounds like Scott, which I mean, you know, is not a criticism. It's just this one feels, which is not to also denigrate the performance that you're putting in, but this just feels so much you. It's such a likable character mm. in this movie. Yeah, I think I might have been afraid to just be me in the past. I don't know why, but I prefer to hide behind a character, certainly with Boyka, probably because I had such success with Boyka, maybe. But yeah, I, yeah. Mike Fallon, even though he's a killer, definitely in this one. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I'm just uh, having fun being silly like I am most of the time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Tell us about the uh, the other assassins. How did you find all of them? But how did they all come about? Um, Peter Lee Thomas, I know through Marco Zorro. Uh, they're good friends. They're trained together a lot. So I knew about Peter, helped Marco with... Uh, choreographing some action for Savage Dog. I was like, oh, who's that guy? Because he had a video. And I spent some time with Peter and I thought it'd be great for this because we, we wanted a uh, a model type character. Originally, he was German. You know, there's a lot of different people we were thinking of. Um, but then when I was able to get Peter, we changed it to like fit the Southern drawl that he's got, we've kind of got, and make him Silas the San Francisco Strangler, which was great. And, you know, he's, he's newcomer Peter, but he's, He's amazing looking guy, credible physique, great fighter. And so he, he was perfect in that role. He's such a gentleman and he worked his socks off and, and, and did a great job. Um, who else we got assassin wise? Is that? Uh, you got Faisal. Oh yeah. We got Faisal Mohammed, who is known in, in the UK. Well, he was a, a champion kickboxer or points sparring guy from the past in the, in the, in the nineties, famous knocking people out all over the place. Real legit fighter. He got into the film business and he was recommended by the Kerbis. And we wanted someone who was, you know, intimidating with the muscles and everything, but could still fight. And so we got Faisal and he came over and did, did a fantastic job. You know, we put the tattoos on him and the scarring and um, changed the character from who he was to be from Ghana, which is where um, Faisal's from originally or his family's from. Uh, and, you know, we're just cha changing all, all it, it wasn't important. We, we could adapt all the assassins to, to whoever we cast, you know, because Stu and I were the writers. So we, we just figure it out when we got the right person and, and we'll just tweak it. And um, yeah. Moving on. Last last couple of cat. You 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 had to figure out the perfect dante and the perfect uh dante's mom for this how did you how did you come up with uh george and flaminia yeah i'd say the most um integral parts for the casting were sarah as suling and then dante because he's the he's the pure comic relief and we needed a guy that was just obviously he needs to be really annoying because fallon needs to detest him and so probably should the audience and the thing for Fallon is that he desperately wants to kill this kid because he's so annoying, yet he can't because he has to protect him. Otherwise, they're going to kill Fred. So we needed somebody very funny for that. And oh, when we got George, it was a, it's just unbelievable. He's so good in the role. 
this guy went from accident man and, and shitting in a bucket to playing Hamlet on the stage in the Globe Theatre. That's what we're dealing with here. He's uh, an amazing actor and a great comedian with great comic timing. And he was ad-libbing stuff all the time, throwing out different versions of different lines. And that's how we ended up with the, um, you look like a melted Ben Affleck line because that was an improv. And of course, we all laughed so hard. We had to keep it in the film. And then it makes it into the trailer. And now it's like, I'm uh, wanting to be called Ben Affleck, but it was just too funny to leave out. Well, and it, it's also a nice tie-in, speaking of Grimsby, when uh, when uh, Sasha Baron Cohen calls you Ukrainian Ben Affleck. It's like a nice little bit. Yeah, of, uh, he must have seen that film and and uh, kind of took the lead from him. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 terrifically obnoxious. Uh, I mean, I hate it. I hated him, but I, that's I'm supposed to. I'm as annoyed as Fallon is by this guy, which is a true testament to the performance that he's putting on because he. Again, he's it's a role that could have broken the movie. It could have gone so far over into the other where I'm so annoyed that I'm put off by the movie, but instead it's just nice watching you punch him every five minutes. You know, there's <laughs> there's like such a nice catharsis throughout that of you smacking him and punching him and throwing him around and all this stuff throughout the whole movie. And the laxatives and yeah, uh, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, we put him through hell. We spent most of the film covered in fake blood, fake brains, fake um, laxative, um, fake sick, and fake poo. Yeah, <laughs> and he's covered no. in flies. He's sitting there in between takes with all these flies around him. Miserable <laughs> experience for him it was. He was a trooper. He was a trooper. I mean, he was absolutely a trooper. No question about that. Um, yeah, and he did a good, uh, well, what, what sounded to me enough like a Maltese accent. Uh, but he's actually from um, my neck of the woods, from Wolverhampton. So I talked like that, to be honest with you. Well, and what's funny is it, it it's 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 such a it's such a funny like because it's so such an over the top accent and the way that he's saying everything. I think it just it works it works well uh, as opposed to you know another marvel movie that i watched the week after where russell crowe is giving one of the most god-awful greek accents i've ever heard but uh i will uh that's 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 neither here or there but um but yeah no i think he's great and and his mom uh uh, flaminia she's also great she is she has the right amount of like menace because it's you know typically you don't expect this sort of older woman to be the head of this in in dtv action to be the head of this like you know mob empire but she has the exact right amount of menace for the for the role i think well the main thing for casting that part and uh, flaminia as soon as we saw her audition we knew that she'd got the role she was the best um again understanding the tone like some of the actors they didn't they, they were doing it too seriously so she's got the menace, but also she understood that we were supposed to be having a laugh as well. So, you know, <laughs> I remember in the audition, one of the lines, snorting cocaine out of whore's backsides, the way she delivered that. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> amazing. And, and I like the idea, you know, this whole concept of she hates her kid, 
but he's her kid. And so she's damn sure not going to let anybody else kill her kid. And, you know, yeah. and that's the whole plot. That's how you get wrapped into all of this, um, which again, goes back to what I said earlier. Very clever, very clever setup, very clever payoffs. I won't spoil the ending, but the ending is absolutely a great payoff for everything that's, that's come before it. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, uh, I, anything else you want to, you want to add about it? I, we've been going for almost an hour. I don't want, I know it's late where you're at, so I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, you know, I'll talk to you as long as you want, but, but what do you, uh, what else do you want to say about it? Um, just hope people support it. You know, look, there's not, it's quite a unique film really in, in today's climate. I know we get a lot, a lot of martial arts in the, uh, superhero movies, but to have, uh, strictly martial arts movie which this certainly is it, it is a martial arts film it is a straight a lot of comment straight yeah, up straight martial up. arts film no question about yeah. it. straight up martial arts film. and done in a hardcore sort of way where you know we're getting in people that actually know martial arts and can perform at a high level and um that's what i wanted to put out there with this a love letter to hong kong martial arts with a british sensibility and um I hope people support it. Don't all go and download it off torrents and whatnot. Get it from the legitimate places because if it makes a profit, they'll want to do another one. No, I want to do another one. Definitely uh, a third, hopefully, because I think this one is, um, it's just great fun. It's just great fun. And it's not easy to make these films at that budget. 22 day shoot. Come on. That's not easy. No, that's ridiculous. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. That that is less time to shoot this entire movie than Jackie Chan spent on his f last fight in Drunken Master Two. Uh, yeah. You know, well, like, much less as well. Yeah, double it. Yeah, um, so, I ended. I hurt my knee in the first week and was, uh, you know, dealing with that the whole time. Yeah, God, it was it was a very stressful film. It it always is when you're you. It's it's something that you're emotionally attached to and you're producing it as well and you. you you have to compromise all the time. Um, but yeah, super proud of how it turned out. It's just, it's a good time. I just want people to have a good time. And it's a good time. I mean, that's, I, like I said, I, I, you know, I think the first thing I told you was take a victory lap, Mr. Adkins, you knock this one out of the park, um, which I have not, you know, again, people who are like, oh, well, Mike's just doing PR. Like we can talk about dead reckoning. You know, I ain't going to say that about that movie. So, so if I'm singing the praises of this one so much, I, I, it's because I do believe it. This is, this is, I think easily top five for you, man. You guys really killed this movie. You just absolutely knocked this one out of the park. I want people to check it out. Please don't pirate it. Please make sure you go see it in the theater, get it on VOD. Um, any, any word on, is there going to be a Blu-ray release down the road? It's Sony. So I would imagine maybe probably. Honestly, I don't know about the Blu-ray because it doesn't seem to be that important anymore. But what I do know is that the international release is, shortly following the US release. So oh, perfect. on the 14th, it comes out, but I think a lot of territories is coming out on the 26th of October. Okay. And uh, around that time throughout the world. Well, that is, so that is, that is good wait, wait 10 weeks. What, sorry, wait 10 days or two weeks. Um, if you're not in America and please purchase it on iTunes or, or wherever you watch your streaming yeah. movies. On yeah, demand. that is, that is good to know because that has not always been the case with your movies. You know, sometimes your own UK yeah. releases are super delayed. So that is that is good to know. Um, so, yeah, everybody check it out uh, October uh, 13th. And, 
you know, iTunes, Vudu, Amazon, wherever you want to get it. And uh, Scott, buddy, always, always a pleasure talking to you, mate. It's it's one of my favorite things. I look forward to it. So um, thanks, Mike. Thanks for your continued support, mate. I appreciate it. Always, buddy. Always. Uh, I know you're beat. I know uh, it's well past. Uh, it's probably well past 11 p.m. there in your neck of the woods. So, I will. I will say good night and uh, and you know I hope you have uh, have a good rest of your week, buddy. Okay. Cheers, Mike. Go watch Accident Man. Hitman's Holiday. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and this has uh, been a very special act uh, action for everyone. Adkins Undisputed. I'm your host, Mike Scott. We will uh, talk to you guys soon. So what are we waiting for? Bring me your fucking champion.